0: GameZillaMedia.com Noiseland Arcade Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. Uh, I am Craig WK, and with me is my co-host on the arcade phantom and craig i got a
1: got a little admission i gotta make to you well so something i gotta tell you What? what's that i don't know how to say this but i think i'm in love with a man <laughs> is that man carl that man may be carl because carl may be the greatest man that has ever
0: existed on any tv show ever he has i don't think i i think that we can all agree that there's no debate carl is the best and uh and this is this might be one of our favorite episodes it's certainly not one of the best episodes i think but it is one of our favorites because of this character so let's get into this one because there's a lot to unpack with this there's one. a ton to talk about in this episode so uh simpson and delilah uh when did that first air sean October 18th, 1990. Yeah. So, in the second episode of the second season, Homer is sick of being bald, and so he uses the company's insurance plan to cover a hair growth treatment, which grants him popularity and the greatest secretary of all time. There, there's no
1: argument. I, mm-hmm. I can't oh, even yeah. say anything. Nope. Carl is the greatest secretary. Carl's the greatest employee you could have.
0: Period. Oh, he's so, he's good. so great. Uh, love him. Okay. I. Uh, so let's so, chat about the news. Yeah, what's going on in the world right now, Craig? So right now, uh, in the, the, the news, you have the Gulf War is going on. Uh, Operation Desert Shield is still revving up. We're still gathering forces. Uh, one uh, like The country's kind of split at this point. You have one side that's fully aware that Saddam Hussein, the ruler of Iraq, is used chemical warfare on his own people or chemical weapons on his own people like gas attacks and stuff did he try to gas them to drop a colony on earth Uh, no you're thinking of mobile suit Gundam Uh. I often get those two confused (laughs) so uh, the other side though is like advocating like a reduction in troops and defense secretary Dick Cheney huh that name sounds familiar
1: yeah doesn't it uh, almost like you'd go on to become vice president and get a movie starring christian bale based about him
0: george w bush he was the defense secretary during george bush senior's turn uh reign as uh president also
1: never forget dick cheney once shot a man in the face while hunting you can't make that story up i just <laughs> every time i think of that i think like it doesn't matter what political side you're on that's a funny accident
0: story. <laughs> I went hunting
1: and I shot a guy in the face. Hey, Craig, sorry about
0: shooting you in the face when we were hunting. No, it's cool. Thought I f- you were a duck. <laughs> my my face looks very pheasant-like. I get it. so a lot of people say that about me. I have a very pheasant-like face. You were making that Donald Duck voice again, and I just had to shoot you. <laughs> oh God, it's a duck! It's a cartoon duck. At that, uh, so. Uh, di- uh, Secretary, or Defense Secretary Dick Cheney was saying that America might be in for the long haul with this war. Does that sound familiar, being in Iraq and it being a long haul? No, not at all. Oh, weird. Uh, there was one reason. Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I, I like to uh, uh, talk about this person, so I'm going to hype it up as one reason why this was not a very long conflict. H. Norman Schwarzkopf who was the general at the time when uh uh the gulf war was going on uh for those who are unaware uh, uh h norman schwarzkopf i uh, was an advocate for a very very uh incredibly overarmed war whereas uh dick cheney and a lot of other uh people were saying like no like why are we building up this many forces H. Norman Schwarzkopf said, no, 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 no. This is how we're going to win this war. We're going to win it lightning fast. And this became one of the quickest wars in American history. In fact, this, I think, is the fastest war in American history. This was one of our most decisive victories. And as the months are going by, and we start getting more and more stories about uh, uh, the war, uh, H. Norman Schwarzkopf's uh, uh, commanding uh, uh, presence is definitely felt in this war. And I read his book when I was younger, uh, Doesn't Take a Hero. And I learned a lot about him, and he's very interesting. He he has, like, temper issues that, you know, uh, uh, similar to, like, Patton had and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he he is very much a, a militaristic genius, I think. Uh, his his uh, 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 decisions led to the Gulf War being... Blitzkrieg fast, basically. Uh, which is kind of a weird way to put it. But Sean, what uh, what do you have for us? So, in video game news, oh? three days before this
1: episode aired on October 15th, uh-huh. classic PC game The Secret of Monkey Island was released. Really? Which marks Tim Schafer's debut into video games. Wow. He, he was not the director of Secret of Monkey Island, he was just working on it, but this is where he got his start and he would go on to make things like psychonauts and brutal legend interesting this is back in the heyday of lucas arts point and click adventures wow they were so popular mm-hmm. my grandfather who was not a gamer played lucas arts adventures really he got me into things like secret of monkey island the dig full throttle i have a big soft spot in my heart for point and click adventures and it all dates back to
0: this right here interesting it's, it's it's mostly interesting for the fact that it was your grandfather who was into it, and I mean, a lot like my grandparents weren't into video games; they they couldn't be further away from into being into video games. So it's interesting that uh, uh to me that you know your grandpa was into them. That's yep, awesome.
1: That's what got me into it, and I am a LucasArts Arts guy. There's two kinds of people when it comes to point and click adventures. You got Lucas Arts guys and Sierra guys. I'm a LucasArts <laughs> Arts guy. Sierra's a little ah oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They. Hokie? obtuse in their clues for things.
0: Ah, uh, yes, that too. That Mostly that.
1: But yeah, Secret of Monkey Island came out and it still is a hit to this day. It was remade on the Xbox 360 and PC and you can play it nowadays and if you have not played it, it is the pinnacle of humor in a game. It is just perfect. I love that game to this day and it is 2019. It is 29 years later.
0: Oof. That was a long time ago, man. I uh, so yeah, we uh, uh we have some some you know uh, uh you know ton to talk about in this episode. So let's let's go ahead and uh, get on into it. I uh, so the the Simpsons are watching uh a game show, uh some kind of Jeopardy knockoff. And uh, they ask for uh, the city uh, city in North Dakota that's named after a, a German leader. <laughs> and Homer mentions my favorite
1: city in North Dakota. Hitler, North Dakota. And all of the family is like, Hitler, North Dakota. Uh, I'd like to imagine that somewhere there was a city named after Hitler and they changed their name. <laughs> I don't want to think that there's a Hitler, North Dakota.
0: I, I don't think there's a Hitler, North Dakota. I, and you know, and may, for all our, our, our listeners who are living in Hitler, North Dakota, I apologize for being ignorant. But uh, change your city. They're not named after that Hitler. They're named after a different Hitler. Oh, on, the other Hitler. Uh, he
1: invented a kind of cheese or something.
0: That sounds. I, I, I could buy that. Uh, So, uh, a commercial for Demoxanil comes on. A miracle breakthrough in hair growth. And for your free brochure, send $5 to 485 Hair Plaza, Hair City, Utah. I love that Homer cares so much
1: about hair that he takes his table, his little tray table, which has ice cream on it,
0: and he throws it aside to check out this TV. Uh Uh-huh. Homer very rarely throws food aside, but Homer does not like being bald. Uh, Homer, uh, like, you know, it's like, hair, hair, and he uh, is really dead set that he's going to do that, because he's tried all the other methods, and nothing seems to work. So he goes to the mall, and he goes to the place that sells Damoxanil, and it costs $1,000. $1, $1,000? F that, that noise. noise. That is a
1: lot for hair care. And... I'm maybe a jerk because I don't have hair problems. I have pretty fantastically thick hair, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah. I have non grain thick hair. I have, I have good a set of hair, so I have graying thick hair, but it is hair nonetheless. So, so I've you're never right. had to yeah. deal with this personally. Yeah, that's true. Um, my father has very homer like hair, so I lucked out and did not get those jeans.
0: Uh, you know, I've heard baldness is hereditary.
1: Yeah, well, apparently it's not as hereditary as you think, but we're going to get <laughs> into that later.
0: So, the action set that costs $1,000 has the drug, gravity boots, a scalp massager, and a t-shirt. Uh, the alternative, though, when Homer's like, you know, he's like, I don't have that kind of money, the guy's like... Uh, he's like, here's the alternative. It's hair and a drum for 1995, And he says like, you know, but any uh, uh, hair growth is going to be, be entirely coincidental. Which makes me wonder what is in that drum of hair growth. Uh, well, the product is called uh, let's see. It is, what did I say? Hair in a hair and a drum? That's what you said. Yep, hair and a drum. Um, so I'm going to say that it's just human hair. In that jug, and you pour it out, and there's hair, and it just falls all over.
1: I'm gonna think it's like a shoe polish type thing that you put on your head to make it look like you have hair.
0: Oh, that could be. Uh, So Homer uh, gets mad or gets upset. He says, Forget you, pal. Thanks for nothing. And he's all upset. He cries and leaves. And then he talks with Lenny and Carl at work, and he shifts the story to be uh, uh, Forget you, pal. And I stormed out of there. And I said, Thanks for nothing. And I, I, Carl calls Homer Chrome dome, which I thought was kind of funny because that's kind of like a cliche childlike insult for somebody who's bald. I, and
1: Homer says, You wouldn't call me that if I had <laughs>
0: hair, which I think is just hilarious yeah. because it's true. It's very true. So, so I, I, Lenny and Carl convince Homer, though, to try to use the insurance plan. And I, uh, Lenny says, like you know, like what? what? is Burns just gonna buy it? Uh, use that thousand dollars for to buy another ivory back scratcher? He's like, you know, you should do it. Which I don't think that's how insurance plans really work, where it dips into your boss's money. But whatever. I uh,
1: also want to point out, Burns is so cheap. Did you see how much refills for our for coffee? How much? They're a quarter. You have to spend a quarter at work to for buy every refill of coffee. Well,
0: I'll be danged. I'm impressed that it's only the refills that cost money, because Burns is so cheap.
1: I would imagine that it probably cost a lot more for the first cup.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Uh, So, uh, if you want
1: motivated employees, give them free coffee. Come on, just do it. It's not that hard. No, it's it's really
0: easy. Coffee's not that expensive. Coffee can expensive. be expensive, can be when, expensive you know, but you can
1: buy cheap, crappy coffee and give it to your employees and they shut the hell up and they do something because they have their coffee. They're in a good mood. Yeah, pretty much. I'll kill somebody if I don't have my coffee. I will literally kill someone if I don't have my coffee
0: in the morning. One time, uh, our, our friend Thomas uh, took cof- uh, Sean's coffee in the morning when we were all uh, on vacation. What happened to Thomas? I never saw him again.
1: Yeah, and you never will.
0: <laughs> so uh, I, I, uh, Lenny and Carl are like, you know, what do you get out of the, the insurance plan? And Homer's like, nothing, except for that newsletter. And they're like, yeah, exactly. You know, come on. And so Homer goes back to the place, and he's like, I want to charge this to my insurance plan. And the guy's like, listen, buddy, no insurance uh, uh, plan in the state is going to, like, uh, uh, allow you to use something uh, as frivolous as Damoxonell. And then he turns on the radio to like this like like Cliche mariachi. Mariachi. Yeah. Mariachi <laughs> music. And he's like, Meet me in the alley in fifteen minutes. Come alone. So,
1: just for a little bit of context for that whole scene, mm-hmm. my girlfriend's stepfather uh-huh. did some renovations on a house recently that was used as an old speakeasy by some of the people who are in the Purple Gang in Detroit. Wow, interesting. And they actually have it's set up in there where their conference room was for the gang. Uh-huh. They have, like, big speakers, like old-timey speakers set up in all four corners because they would play music and they would turn on tap water. And so both of those would go at the same time. So it would basically drown out the sound of them talking because they figured the house was bugged.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So
1: So that, that is a real thing where people would turn on noise to get away with something.
0: That's funny. In case
1: somebody was listening in. It's a big mob thing. <laughs>
0: So uh, so Homer does the exchange. He gets the, the drug, uh, demoxinel and he gives away the, the insurance paperwork to this guy. Which this guy is shady.
1: I mean, he meets him in the back alley. He's wearing a trench coat and fedora. Which, <laughs> if I knew anything, those are the guys who kidnapped kids with candy.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Isn't that what all those posters told us as kids? I mean, yeah, pretty much. The which guy is, with the fedora and the, the trench coat. Which is weird,
1: because they were also the neighborhood watch signs. So they were. Were just, they watching the neighborhood, or were they who we
0: watched out for? Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, Homer takes the stuff home, and I, I, he he goes home. He tries this, and wakes up the next morning with a full head of Before hair. He does oh, that yeah, though.
1: He does something very interesting. Yeah. Homer prays that he'll wake up with hair.
0: Homer doesn't pray very often, but when he does, it's usually selfish stuff.
1: The Simpsons was considered super risque back in the 90s, but for a risque show, they pray an awful lot. They're a very religious family. Yeah, even for if it's out sort of so selfishness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so Homer oh and that's the other thing too is he, he has to like get into like the gravity boots which are strapped to like the the uh the top of a door frame so he's upside down and he's like put the drug on his head and he's like rubbing the like the uh the scalp massager and it's like and it's like like vibrating and he like rubs it on his head and uh, yeah and then he, he prays and he goes to bed and he puts like the shower cap on or whatever it is and he wakes up the next morning and he has a full head of hair that is a miracle breakthrough
1: there's a lot to this scene I want to break down because Mm -hmm. there's a lot that you might not know for the context of this so first off, Homer wakes up without an alarm Homer's the kind of guy who likes to sleep so I'll assume that he wakes up on a Saturday or Sunday and that's why he's sleeping without an alarm that sounds right however, Homer basically parodies It's a Wonderful Life where he runs through the town going to the places to say he has hair one of the places he goes is Mo's Tavern. Which, if it is a Sunday, they couldn't serve alcohol that early, so Barney would not be in Mo's Tavern. It would not be open. It has to be so Saturday. It has to be a Saturday. Also Or Homer is skipping work and he woke up without
0: an alarm. Also, uh Barney and the other Barflies are at Mo's Tavern on a Saturday morning. That's sad. <laughs> But if you're on vacation, it's totally cool. Oh, yeah, that's different. Uh, Totally different. But, and, yeah, he does uh, oh.
1: parody that scene, and he runs around, so it has to be a Saturday. I had to deduce that and figure uh-huh. that out.
0: Nice. Uh, I also like the church bells referencing uh, uh, the It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. And also, the Barney yells out, hey, it's the president, <laughs> when he runs by, which is really weird, because it didn't look like George Bush. Also, one of the people he runs past is the Winfields. Oh, yeah, the uh, uh, the old uh, couple that are not very big fans of The Simpsons. Yeah, and they tell them to get a haircut, you hippie. And uh, uh, Homer gets to like the, the town square uh, with the statue of Jebediah uh, Springfield, and he runs into another guy who's like, I have hair, I have hair, and they both stare at each other, and they're like, Tamoxinil! And, <laughs> and they both dance and have a good time. Uh-huh. And then Homer runs back home, and uh, uh, his he like like rolls around in a field of flowers outside his house with, with the, the dog, and the yeah. dog, and the kid. Uh-huh. And Marge is all happy, and uh, yeah, it's uh, uh you know just uh, a a feel good moment for Homer, who's not a fan of being bald. And he goes to uh, Jake's Unisex Hair Place, which is uh, uh, the barber shop that we'll see throughout The Simpsons, which isn't used very often. But it came from the Tracy Ullman shorts. Oh, it did. That's right, because there's an episode of the Tracy Ullman shorts where Bart gets a haircut and it's a really crummy one. Yep. And so that was a carryover character who came from those shorts. Interesting. I... Uh, so I, uh, uh, he tells him, he's like, I haven't seen you in 20 years. And he's like, give me the usual. Uh, uh, and I also like the fact that he's like, I haven't seen you in 20 years. I like what you did with the sidebirds or whatever. <laughs> like, just like, you know, like plays it off like it's no big deal. And, uh, and after that is when we, uh, uh, Homer gets home uh, and, and Penny then, and Selma are there. Yeah. And Marge is talking to them about how
1: Homer's got more confidence and just between you and me, ladies, he's been a little better in the bedroom. <laughs> he was well, a little bit more frisky. And uh, Patty and Soma are disgusted by that. Well, they're Yeah, they're not disgusted when they see him. Homer walks in, and they both find him super attractive. Homer with hair is an attractive guy. Which mm-hmm. is a very weird scene in context later on, because we see that when Homer went to the prom and tried to get Marge,
0: they thought he was a slob. Yeah, that's true. He did just have a haircut, though. That's true. But yeah, you're right. He, he was, he, they really considered him a slob when they first Pro- saw him. Professional Homer. They're both drooling over. He's very professional. Although his suits don't look very good at the moment. No, they don't. If only he could do that. Yeah, if only he had someone to
1: help. Uh, So, I... Cut back to the power plant. Yeah, so... And I want to say something uh-huh. about the power plant, because I don't know if you've ever caught this. This isn't something a lot of Simpsons fans catch. Mm-hmm. I want you to think of the power plant. Think of an exterior shot of the power plant. Sure.
0: What noise do you hear? Uh, noise. I don't know, like a, like a, uh, kind of noise? No.
1: Every single time the power plant is shown, mm-hmm. a crow caused. It is oh. a thing that you don't notice very often, but on exterior shots, next time you're watching The Simpsons and they show an exterior shot of the power plant, a crow will make a caw noise. And that is a continuous thing throughout the series that most people don't catch. And I didn't catch until I had it pointed out to me at one point.
0: I'm going to have to pay more attention to that. Because I, I now that you mentioned that, I do remember that. But I don't remember it for every shot. It's almost every single shot. Ah, that's ominous and foreboding. I didn't
1: know if we have talked about that yet, but I thought I'd bring it yeah, up. Because I no. thought it was interesting.
0: Huh. I... So, uh, Burns is talking with Smithers, and according to Union Rules, which Burns is perpetually having to deal with throughout the, the series, uh, they need to find someone to be the next junior executive.
1: And they have to make one token promotion for, uh,
0: within per year. And Burns isn't a fan of the current stock of employees. Uh, they They all look like they're slacking off, and in fact, Charlie is in the camera. Taking a smoke break behind like a, like a tube, like a giant metal tube. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I.
1: So we've learned that Charlie and Lenny both smoke.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Lenny smoked in the first, his first appearance. Yeah. And uh, Homer's not out. Uh huh. I. So I. Burns chooses Homer. And he's like, who's this young go-getter? And and Smithers is like, well, it looks like Homer Simpson, but he has hair. And Burns is like, ah, I'm going to mold him in my own image. And uh, Smithers gets on the uh, PA, and he tells Homer to say goodbye to your former friends for three minutes, uh, so you get reassigned to a better life. Which is really...
1: Smithers says some awkward lines in this episode, but that is one of them. Smithers is kind of
0: rotten in this episode. He, This is an episode where, uh, like... In the Simpsons Arcade, Smithers is a bad guy. Later episodes of The Simpsons, Smithers is a pretty good guy, but there are usually a lot of times where Smithers, throughout the series, is more villainous than anything else. Yeah, and this is an example of it, which we'll get more of later on in this episode. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, we will. So uh, I, the I, uh... Homer's now an executive, and he's trying to decide on a secretary. I. Uh... And which, there's going to be some contradiction here later in the episode, which we'll get to later. Uh, but uh, uh, Homer's interviewing, you know, like women for, for the secretary job. And uh, uh, the like the, the last one that we see is this woman who's like, oh, I'm really good at giving back rubs. Like, do you want to try Big one? Big, powerful, handsome in- executives. <laughs> and, and Homer's like, no, 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 that's okay. And, uh, good he, on Homer. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That would have been a very easy moment for him to just break, uh, his, for his will to break, essentially, and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, so he calls Marge, and uh, he's like, Marge, he's like, I'm having the hardest time getting a secretary. All of these ladies are making kissy faces at me, and, and Marge is immediately pissed. And the door opens, and in walks an angel, Carl. Voiced by Harvey Firestein, who's got a distinct voice. His voice is so distinct. Like, you cannot listen to Harvey Firestein and not be focusing on his voice. His voice is amazing. It's so good.
1: And he does this role so good. I love Carl. Oh, my God.
0: So, Sean, you'll probably know a lot more about this than I do, but Harvey Firestein is big in Broadway, right?
1: Yes, Harvey Firestein's big in Broadway, and... It doesn't really get touched on this episode. It kind of gets hinted at, but Harvey Firestein is openly gay, and Carl is kind of hinted at that, that he's openly gay, but they yeah, don't they, ever
0: really address it and nail it on the head. Yeah, they don't. Uh, which is fine. Like it, it doesn't yeah. have to be something where it's laid out on it, the, the It wasn't line. relevant to the plot, so what's it matter? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Harvey Firestein uh, uh, has won a lot of Tonys. Uh, he's won a whole bunch of awards and a, almost. Maybe all, at least almost all of his plays, are usually involved with uh, homosexuality and transgenderism. Uh, a lot of his plays involve, like, you know, the character being transgender, homosexual, and I, I, like, I, I guess they're great. I've never seen his plays, uh, but I was doing a little bit of research on Harvey Firestein, and I, I mean, they they sounded really interesting. Yeah,
1: Harvey Firestein is great, and plays one of my favorite supporting characters in any Simpsons episode.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, so Harvey's husky, like you know, like deep gravelly voice. I uh, uh, he walks in and I, uh, I uh, he, he he asks for the the position and Marge hears his voice and is like, oh, I like he sounds good. Hire him. Yeah, immediately. That's
1: all she hears is, oh, this is some guy's voice. He's got a good voice. Hire him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not gonna try and
0: have, kiss my husband. Uh. uh mm, um, <clears throat> anyway. Uh. So. Uh, Carl walks in, and he says, Uh. He says. You don't belong here. And Homer's like, "Well, how did you know? Like who, what told who told you?" And he's like, "You told me with the way you slouch and the way you talk into your chest." He's like, "You belong here." He's like, "Say it." And Homer's like, "I I belong here." He's like, "Say it like you mean it." And he demands that Homer shout out that he belongs there, that he's nature's miracle, and he gives Homer confidence. And Carl says, "I'll need 3 weeks vacation." And what is it? Uh, three weeks vacation and moving expenses. And Homer's like, you got, you got the it. job. <laughs> Which implies that Carl moved to Springfield for hey, this job. He's not from Springfield, nope. we learned. Yeah, he's not from, from Springfield. And we'll we'll never see Carl again after this episode. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, it breaks my heart. Yeah,
0: I had to rip that Band-Aid off. Oh, God. So Carl criticizes Homer because he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, you are are not doing yourself favors by wearing this polyester. He's like, you deserve a suit. You deserve to look good. You deserve to feel good. So he takes him to the royal majesty for the obese or gangly gentleman, which would be the big and tall nowadays. Yeah, is what basically would call it. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I, I, and so I, uh, I, you know, Carl uh, explains to Homer. He's like, a suit should make a man feel feel like a prince. Yeah, and uh, uh, Homer, like, he's like, ooh, what about this? He's like, does this one make me feel like a prince? And Carl's like, no. And they're looking at a cheap, like, two for $99 rack. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, they're, they're... Suits are expensive. A man doesn't have to buy many suits in his life, I think, so long as you take care of it, because suits are are pretty all-purpose and stuff. Unless you're, like, a, an executive, I guess you would have to buy probably a fair amount of suits then. But, uh... But yeah, the suits can
1: be pricey. Even then, with like pricey suits, you just get a lot of pants and a lot of undershirts, and the jacket is the expensive part that you keep and yeah, that's we'll Yeah,
0: I and so I I <laughs> while Homer's getting uh, sized up, uh, the guy raises like does the inline of his pants. And he's like, "Ooh, I like this," which is kind of weird.
1: But we also get a great scene from both Homer and Carl here, mm-hmm. where Carl points out Homer. Let your fat hang out.
0: And then he <laughs> points to the guy doing the suit, and he's like, you can seal it. <laughs> it's so
1: good. Uh, you should be natural when you get a suit
0: fitted to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it transitions, and uh, Homer's like running late for work, and he looks great in his red suit. Yeah, he does. Homer looks amazing in a red suit. I wouldn't have thought he could pull off a red suit. Carl knows his stuff like a burgundy yeah i guess it's true it's not flat out red it's like a a, a deeper red deeper red almost brown yeah and uh uh so marge is like happy anniversary and homer's like what are you sure (laughs) and she's like yeah yeah i know you're busy with work like you know it's i i you know i forgive you and there's a knock at the door who's at the door craig a singing telegram essentially a singogram, if you will uh it's a crooner with flowers and he sings you are so beautiful to me to marge and uh and marge is like oh my god homer like you remember this is great and the phone rings and homer answers the phone and carl is like i see that you've gotten what i sent you and carl made sure to remember homer's anniversary so that he could send somebody as a gift on behalf of homer
1: Carl is the best assistant ever. Oh, my God.
0: And so uh, Marge goes to kiss Homer.
1: And and then Carl says something that I think just shows off what class he is. He says to Homer, I hope I haven't overstepped my bounds.
0: Oh, I love that line so much. I love that
1: line so much because Carl's trying to be the greatest guy ever. And he doesn't want to be
0: pushy or anything
1: anything that Homer
0: doesn't want. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Marge kisses Homer, and she's like, I love you, Homer. And and Homer's like, I love you, Carl, Um, Marge. And uh, I feel like the show would have taken a way better direction if Homer left Marge for Carl. But that's okay. It's all right. We just never had to see him. Everybody
1: should be with Carl.
0: He's so good. Oh, God,
1: he's so good. If one fictional character could be in my life, I would pick Carl. Because Oh, my God, my life would be so
0: successful and great right oh my god so i uh, i uh, the the scene is now
1: at a board meeting and everybody's trying to talk of ideas to get productivity in the company.
0: Yeah. And so like a lot of these like slimy executives are like, oh, how about you lay off a round of people? Or how about you put caffeine in the water cooler? Yeah. And uh Burns is like, these are my ideas, which is funny that he's the one with the rotten ideas and they're just parroting what he said, uh, said. Well, they're a bunch of yes men. Yeah, that's that's one of Burns' problems that he has later on. Uh, is yes men. Uh so he asks Homer. He's like He's like, I. He's like, I hired somebody uh, uh, who's in touch with the common worker. He's like, uh, uh, you know, so give me your idea. And the, it cuts to this like random dude who's like, uh, I think it's this. I think you mean him, sir. And he's like, Yeah, you. And he points to Homer because he never remembers Homer Simpson.
1: And, and Homer actually
0: has a really good idea for once. And he's like. Well, uh, there's a problem with the fish sticks, sir. He's like, fish sticks? What blazes do you mean? He's like, well, you see, you take the fish, you cut the head off, and then you take out the parts. He's like, I know how fish sticks are made. He's like, get to the point. And Homer's like, well, we always ran out of tartar sauce every time we had fish sticks. And Smithers is like, don't waste Burns' time.
1: And Burns cuts Smithers off. And he says, "Now, now, Smithers.
0: Go on. What is this about? And so Homer says, he's like, well, you know, we ran out of tartar sauce, and, and, you know, it made a lot of people upset. And so Burns is like, ah, yes, I see. He's like a little bit of tartar sauce, and they'll be, you know, happy as can be, and the productivity will go up. And uh, he really, really uh, loves, you know, Homer's idea. So, I don't know about you, but I love fish. I do enjoy fish. I love tartar
1: sauce. Mm-hmm. I could eat tartar sauce from the bottle by itself. (laughs) I love it so much. disgusts me. In fact, I have done it before. (laughs) I had a time where I was coming home from the store with my girlfriend. She's driving. And I'm like, I'm going to eat tartar sauce. And she's like, don't you fucking do it. Don't you fucking do it. I will throw you out of this car. She's like, if you eat tartar sauce in my car, I will throw you out of the car. So I unbuckled my seatbelt and I sat on the window leaning out of the car and I drank that (laughs) tartar sauce down. That's how much I love tartar sauce. I am a disgusting, <laughs> horrible human being. I admit it I need a carl in my life to fix everything. <laughs> you do, you do need a
0: carl to fix everything. But my that's... productivity goes way up with tartar sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that hurts my stomach thinking okay. about it. I not... like tartar sauce. I just Oh god. I've, I've made my own sick. tartar sauce before.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna throw
0: up in my mouth.
1: I could chug tartar sauce like it was a milkshake. Stop talking about tar- tar- <laughs> tartar sauce. <laughs> oh, but it's so good.
0: So, I, the, uh, the the work newsletter comes out, and work accidents reach a record low, output goes up, Homer has served his coworkers. Output's up by
1: 15%, and management caves into the condiment outcry,
0: are the headlines. <laughs> so, I, I... Burns is talking about how, you know, Simpson's done a great job. And Smithers is like, yeah, but, like, output's up and the accidents are down because Homer Simpson is no longer working in that area of the company.
1: Yeah, these are accidents that Homer Simpson was known to or expected to have
0: caused. And Burns blows Smithers off. And he's like, listen, he's like, you're just jealous. Give him the key. What's the key? The key sounds pretty important. The key to the executive washroom. So Smithers and Carl uh find Homer in the one of the public restrooms, and Carl is like, Mr. Simpson, he's like, don't sit on that disgusting thing a moment longer. He's like, they've given you the key. And they go to the executive
1: washroom. And it is gorgeous. What's in the executive washroom? Do you have notes on that? Because I do. Yeah, go ahead and go through that, John. So there's a full orchestra playing music. Mm -hmm. There's a waterfall Uh with with tropical birds. Mm -hmm. And there's even a fountain for water that has little dolphins that spurt it out. And there's a spiral staircase leading up to where the actual washroom is, which would mean you would not smell the washroom because you'd be down on the lower floor where you'd wash your hands.
0: Carl comments and says, Stunning. Absolutely stunning. And I don't think I could have said it better myself. So, Mr. Burns comes out of the washroom. He he says that he was watching the Dumont and he caught a special on uh, Rommel, the Desert Fox. There's a man who could get things done. So Craig and I had both had to do some research into this line, because a lot of times Burns says
1: some old-timey things. The Dumont was a TV network that, like, was shut down in the 50s. Yeah, the Dumont was basically, like, a rival to NBC and CBS. Did it fail? Did they get bought out? Like, do you know what happened? It failed. I did a little research into it, and it failed hard. They could not keep the network viewership up, and it just crashed and
0: burned. They had financial issues. Man, so, so so who is Rommel, the Desert Fox? Did you take notes on that? I did. I'm glad you asked. Uh, I I don't know how I became the more more historical guy here, but in any event, Erwin Rommel, the Desert Fox, uh, not only was he the commander of the Seventh Panzer Division uh, for Germany during the 1940 inv- uh, invasion of France. Uh, He led the North Africa campaign. Due to his honor and integrity, uh, the North Africa front was called the War Without Hate. And Rommel kind of gained a lot of popularity, not only in Germany, he was a war hero there, but even in, like, uh, England. Uh, England was fighting against uh, Germany in North Africa. And, like, somehow he kind of became this sort of, like, popular figure even in, like, outside of Germany because of the fact that he had some integrity. He wasn't, like, hurting other people and stuff. He wasn't a cruel Nazi, which is very fascinating. Oh, yeah. I did
1: some research into this, and I thought it was just insane. Because, typically, we grew up in a time where World War II was ages ago. Oh, yeah. And Nazis are just always portrayed as the bad guys in everything, yeah,
0: rightfully so. I mean, yeah, Nazism in general as a a whole is a, a really, really rotten... Uh, way to go about things uh but you know german the german people and it, like yeah they they were sort of stuck with nazism and somebody like rommel actually wasn't that bad of a guy uh, well it's said to not have been that bad of a guy it, yeah they, they say that some there are some people in historians who think that he was anti-semitic and he wasn't that great of a guy some think that he he didn't really care about like uh uh the you know uh, uh, people being Jewish or not, he just wanted to, like, you know, do right by his country, and that's why he fought in the war. But in any event, uh, Rommel was uh, actually forced to commit suicide. Uh, he was uh implicated in the assassination attempt on Hitler in 1944, and he was either going to have to stand trial and no longer be a war hero, or uh, Hitler gave him the alternative that he could commit suicide and with the promise that his family would be spared, uh, and they would continue making him a war hero. So they made an excuse as to why he died. He died in, like, a car accident, according to them. Yeah. And, yeah, he, he was still hailed as a war hero, even though that he was assassinated. Or uh, he was forced to commit suicide because he had attempted to assassinate Hitler. Which is fascinating. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Desert Fox, uh, Rommel, is is a, a incredibly interesting uh, person from World War II who's uh, certainly worth looking into. Also weird that that's a man that Burns says could get things done. Uh yeah, I mean, it, it, but here's the thing. I don't think that uh, uh, Burns, in all of his evil glory, was hailing the fact that like you know Rommel was a good guy and I uh, I you know was uh like somebody who attempted to assassinate Hitler, I think he's more impressed by the fact that he was just that great of a tank commander. He was a militaristic genius, no doubt. But yeah, he could have said Patton at the same time. <laughs> and he chose a Nazi. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's, yeah. That, that, that stands out. I mean, we learned yeah. that Burns had
0: done some things in World War II that weren't so... Listen, Sean, he and Schindler were like two peas in a pod. They both made shells for the... Uh, they both were factory owners, and they both made shells for the Nazis, but his work, I uh, oh,
1: Burns was also in World War Two.
0: Yeah, he was. He was in the S- Flying Hellfish. healing paintings from the Nazis. Who he then later idolized and made shells for yeah, Burns has a very weird history with the Nazis. Yeah, he does. There's there's something that ain't in up there. Uh so uh Smithers is furious that that Burns is is totally into Homer and Homer's rising up through the ranks and Smithers decides to investigate him. And so he goes through his records late at night uh at work and I don't really know why he was being so secretive about it because Smithers is like Burns's right-hand man. You think he could have just checked easily in the middle of the day? But whatever. He probably
1: was stuck at Burns' side the entire time and didn't want Burns to know what he was doing.
0: That could be, yeah. Uh, so Smithers goes through Homer's record and finds out that the demoxinil was charged to the company, uh, the company's insurance plan, and it was $1,000. And Smithers has uh, Simpson right where he wants him. Uh, and also the, the note on it is Damoxinil is to keep his brain from freezing, <laughs> which
1: I thought was great.
0: <laughs> uh, also, uh, at this point, we're also seeing that Homer is is his, he's spoiling his family. He isn't squirreling money away. He's bought a giant antenna uh, for a satellite TV for his house, a large gas grill. Uh, he has a real treehouse castle. Yeah, it's a full castle that these kids have. A swing set and slide. There's a kiddie pool, which kiddie pools aren't very expensive. I don't know why I bothered to list that one. Uh, And uh, when Homer asks uh, Lisa what she wants, he's like, Lisa, he's like, what do you want? What can I buy for you? Lisa asks for an absence of mood swings and some stability in her life. And Homer says, "Well, how about a pony? And she says, okay.
1: Which I think is a great joke because he'll eventually get her that pony. We'll see how that will work out. Mm Mm-hmm. And she'll still have instability and in mood
0: swings. Yeah, yeah. Because
1: depression is a very serious issue.
0: It, yeah, it is. Uh, so Burns is informed that Homer used the uh, used insurance fraud to get the thousand dollars for Damoxinil, which Burns is frustrated because he was going to buy an ivory back scratcher. Uh, and Carl takes the fall. Yeah, he does. Carl takes the fall hard for him. Smithers comes in to fire Homer. And I uh, so he he he's fires Homer and Homer's like, "Wait, what?" And Carl sees what's going on and he steps in and he says, "No." He's like, "Mr. Smithers, I did that." Mr. Simpson had no clue what was going on. Like that that was he was completely innocent. And so Smithers is frustrated and says, all right, well, you're fired. And Carl pays $1,000
1: for the Democonel to Smithers.
0: hmm He pays it to get everything caught up. Because Carl has integrity, and he's not willing to let Homer pay for it himself. He, he's that great of a secretary. And Homer is shocked by this. Mm-hmm. He Yeah, he wants to know. He says, he's like, Carl, he's like, what, like, why did you do that? And, uh, uh, oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. First off, Smithers asks, he's like, why do you care if this guy is bald or not? And Carl says, my reasons are my own. Carl's the best. Love him. Oh, he's so good. So uh, Homer asks why. And Carl gives him a speech about how it was his duty to protect Homer. uh, That there was nothing special about what he did. That any good soldier would have jumped on that grenade. So, I want to bring something up about Carl here. Because mm-hmm. I love Carl.
1: He's one of my favorite characters in any media. I absolutely cannot get enough of this character. Oh, I adore him. So, I have role played with Craig for over 15 years. Now. Uh-huh. And I love to play a character who is the sidekick to someone else. And will go out of their way to jump in front of a bullet for them. Mm-hmm. I have done this numerous times and Carl is the inspiration for that.
0: I, 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 and much like Homer, I am always flabbergasted when it happens and I'm always taken aback. And, I, uh, 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 for, for our listeners also, you know, make sure to check out noobs and dragons, our, uh, dungeons and dragons podcast on the network, uh, where you'll see my DM style. Sean is not a player on that show. Uh, at least not yet. And uh uh as far as that goes, it's uh, uh always always great to 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 play d d in general, but especially with Sean since we have been playing for over 15 years together. Uh but I mean, yeah, that's Carl. That's, that's uh, that was the inspiration. He's the
1: inspiration for most of my characters and why they're so altruistic and will go out of their way because I love this character that much. My notes here, I'm going to read verbatim uh-huh. because they're pretty hilarious. Yeah. Carl pays $1000 and loses his job for Homer. He is the fucking best. The goddamn fucking best.
0: I can't get enough of Carl. He is the best. Uh when Carl first appears, my notes for Carl appearing is I I made a heart in my notes. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. It. I just made a heart. That's all. Uh so so Homer is is saying goodbye to Carl. Carl says walk me to my car. And, or walk me to the door, and so Homer walks him to the the like car park for the nuclear power plant, and it's raining, and he grabs out his umbrella and he opens it up, and, and he, he walks out a yeah. few steps, and he stops, and it's probably one of my the favorite lines from this episode, and he turns to Homer and he says, "Mr. Simpson, did you remember your umbrella today?" And Homer just looks at him and goes, "No," and he says, "Here." And he throws the umbrella open to Homer. Homer catches it, and Carl, dripping wet, smiles at Homer and leaves. What a goddamn champ. Carl's the best. He's such a good guy. So, you couldn't make
1: a better guy if you tried.
0: You couldn't. No, Carl is the best. And so, I... Homer uh, is driving home, and he's like, okay. He's like, you lost Carl. He's like, that's okay. You still have the hair. Everyone loves your hair. You're going to be a-okay. So like, you can think of something. So Bart, however, decides that he wants a mustache-goatee combo so he can look like a beatnik. Oh, mischievous Bart. He wants to impress his friends. He splashes some demoxanil on his face, and Homer opens the door. Which we learned that demoxino either you have to have hit puberty or you really need those gravity boots and that little massage. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't do anything for Bart. He splashes himself in the face, and uh, Homer opens the door, surprises Bart, and it drops and spills everywhere. Uh, prompting Homer to chase Bart down, choke his son, which I think this is the first time we see Bart or Homer choking Bart. And he yells, Might be. boy, must die. And uh, he, Bart uses the dirty trick of saying he loves Homer to get Homer to let him go. And uh, uh, yeah, he uh, uh, Homer gets mad at him. And he's like, listen, he's like, I'm going to tell you three things. You ruined your father. You crippled your family. And baldness is hereditary. hereditary. And, and Bart's like, it is. <laughs> So I want to point something out about that scene
1: because I actually did some research into that. Mm-hmm. So, as I stated earlier, that I have fantastic hair, but my father doesn't, uh-huh. Homer tells Bart baldness is hereditary. Yet every single time we see Bart, whether it's in his imagination with Bart Jr., or it's when he's a Supreme Court justice, or at least his wedding, Bart is not balding. Oh, yeah, Bart you're does right. not have these genes. Bart has good hair. His hair has come from Marge's side of the family, much like my hair has.
0: Kudos to you, Sean, and kudos to uh, the fact that Homer is not very scientifically minded. I don't think he understands how genetics really work.
1: Uh, but yeah, I just thought it was funny that I actually went through and looked at all Bart's examples of him being an adult to see if he was balding. And oh, yeah. Bart has hair. Yeah. Hmm. If, I think it's because it's the iconic
0: design of the spiky little head. You know it's Bart. Yeah, that's. Regardless probably, of his age. That's but, probably true. Uh, so, uh, Homer goes back to his bedroom and cries and rubs his hair into the puddle of demoxidil. And Lisa says, Dad is taking this uh, in a less than heroic fashion. And Homer, I mean, yeah, he he has a right to be angry at Bart. Bart did, you know, mess up. Uh, But that was some pretty cruel things he said to him. So, but he's pretty upset right now. Yeah. So, he's, so, you know, Bart, uh, Homer's pretty upset, and uh, the next morning, he wakes up, hair's lying all over the bedroom, and he's looking in the mirror, and he's just like, oh, and he's back to being bald. As quickly as it came, it went. hmm That's Damoxynil for you. Miracle breakthrough, my ass. <laughs> uh, so he's in the office and he's wearing like a, a fisher a fisherman's hat or something like that like cl- uh cloth style hat that's like round and like goes down to cover your uh, eyes and then smithers comes in
1: and smithers says a line that takes me back
0: yeah I got that big speech in five minutes you're not gonna hang yourself are you what? That's super dark! Seriously! It is so dark! I, it is, like, ridiculously heavy that he's implying Homer's going to kill himself over this, like, speech. So I thought about this line a little bit more after mm-hmm. watching this episode
1: a couple times, because yeah. I watched this a few times for research, because I uh-huh. love this episode. Yeah, yeah. Smithers went through Homer's files. Did Homer see a company therapist and mention his suicidal thoughts? Oh and did smithers get that from that and bring it up to just wedge it home to him man maybe because that is even darker if you think about it that way
0: oh man
1: oh man yeah that is super heavy smithers has everything on homer his medical history you name it if he talked to a therapist that would probably be in there
0: I don't I don't know if a therapist maybe suicidal tendencies. That that actually might be something that goes into the record because of the fact that like Because it could be a medical thing that could be treated. Well that and, and I mean the fact that like it's something the the they would have to like be mindful of and, and keep an eye on Homer if they thought he was like being suicidal yeah, or something. Or
1: if they were to give him a drug that may cause suicidal tendencies, they'd have that in his medical file, I would assume. Man. So did Smithers get that from there and just Bring it up because
0: Smithers is
1: rotten in this episode. Smithers is a villain, and that is dark.
0: He, yeah, he really is.
1: But that's not his last dark line of the episode. No, it's not. He's got
0: another one coming up soon. Yeah, he does. So uh, uh, Homer finds a letter at the desk after Smithers walks out, and uh, it's from Carl and Carl has prepared his uh, speech for Homer on a series of numbered three-by-five note cards, and he has sounded out all the words phonetically for Homer, and uh, uh, he ends the note by, by saying, God bless you. Excuse me. God bless you. You are one of Springfield's very special creatures, your obedient servant, Carl. And... It, it, the scene pans up a bit, and Carl is behind Homer reading the lo, the note aloud. And Homer just thought it was a sweet voice inside <laughs> of his head. A sweet heavenly voice. And uh, Carl had to say goodbye to the girls in the typing pool. And that's why he was here. And uh, by the way, are you familiar with a type, what a typing pool is? Yeah, but go on for our listeners. Yeah, so a, a typing pool is a secretarial pool or typing pool is a group of secretaries working in a company available to assist any executive without a permanently assigned secretary, which makes it you wonder, why did Homer need a secretary when there is a typing pool at the nuclear power plant?
1: I would assume they gave him a secretary because he was the new employee and they didn't want him tapping the resources. That they wanted be. to see what he could do and if they could fire him.
0: That could be. Hmm. Yeah. I... I thought about that, actually, when we got to this line. Hmm. I... So Carl gives Homer a pep talk. Like, Homer's like, listen, he's like, I don't have the hair. I'm not going to be able to do jack and shit. Carl delivers
1: one of the greatest lines in any TV show I have ever heard in my life.
0: Carl tells Homer, he's like, listen, you, the fish sticks, the washing your boss's hand. He's like, everything was you. It was all you. It was never the hair. And and Homer's like, no, no. No, oh, it couldn't be. He's like, I'm just a fool. And, uh, and Carl is upset with him. He's like, no, you're not a fool. And Homer's like, yes, I am. And Carl says, my mother taught me to never kiss a fool. And he kisses Homer on the lips.
1: Because Carl's the best and
0: Homer's so lucky. And he tells Homer, he's like, now get out there. Give that speech, you're gonna be okay. And he like sla- he like slaps Homer on the butt as he leaves, and that is the last we see of Carl.
1: Unfortunately,
0: right? So, so Homer goes off and he gives that speech, and he gives a speech on Jiko Konri, uh, a self, a Japanese uh, uh, self-management style. Uh, that originally I was going to do a lot of research on because I thought it'd be interesting, and I searched Jico Conry and I thought, oh my lord, I do not have enough hours <laughs> of the day to figure out all this stuff. If you're interested in Jico Conry, I recommend you check it out. It has its own website at jicoconry.org where they explain it all, and it's—I I mean, it's kind of interesting if you're into business management, I guess. But I'm not.
1: Yeah. So I also found that website i made note of it but i did not read much of it because i was like well this is way too much and i just want to watch this episode again
0: yeah right uh so homer gets out and he he burns a dollar bill and he's like like many of you might think i'm crazy if i do this and Burns is like he's He's crazy crazy. (laughs) and he's like but we're doing this every day and homer gives a speech it's not very passionate because he he's just reading it for the very first time but uh, but it's very correct he points
1: out a lot of flaws in the power plant mm-hmm. and uh over inventories
0: oh yeah and that's all standard business stuff you know uh Homer's ideas uh offer to save the company like five hundred thousand dollars uh tons and tons of money and uh without his hair nobody takes Homer seriously they say things like he doesn't even have hair who is this bald man and I, uh, uh, what what is it that uh, because uh, he finishes the speech and nobody's left in the auditorium, and uh, Smithers says something of the nature of like like oh Burns wants you in his office. Burns wants you in his office. Dead man walking. Yep, dead man walking as they he shouts that out to all the other employees it's like dead man walking. Although honestly, there's nobody else in the auditorium at that time, so I don't know that many people hear it.
1: Smithers is a villain. He
0: is in this episode. So Homer gets to the office, Burns' office, and Burns criticizes him and says he made a mockery of the meeting, yada yada. Which is funny because really the only issue is that he doesn't have hair.
1: Yeah, he had a
0: solid speech; he could have been successful, but he doesn't have hair. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Which uh, honestly, at the end of the day, uh, I, I do think baldness looks pretty pretty solid on a lot of uh, a lot of guys out there, or even some ladies. And, uh, yeah. Poor Homer must, must just have a, an odd shaped head or something, and people don't like him when he doesn't have hair. But Burns offers to give him his old job back. Because Burns Homer's in shock by this. He doesn't understand why. And uh Burns uh says uh Burns asks, How old do you think I am? And Homer's, Homer says something of like, what is it, like a hundred and uh uh hundred and two? Hundred and two. And Burns says 81. He's only 81 years old. Because he knows the sting of male pattern baldness and even shows Homer pictures of him uh, because he went, uh, his senior year of college, he went bald as a plucked chicken. Which, if this episode
1: takes place in 1990 as it airs, Mm -hmm. that would mean Burns was born in 1909.
0: That would mean that uh, when he was around 20, it would have been uh, 1929. So if he was in World War 2 uh doesn't really add up, does it? No.
1: Also, I, I, Bur- uh, late- Bur- Burns is more of a candidate for World War
0: One than he is World War Two. He's closer to that age range, but even then. Yeah, even then, it's a little off. Uh, unless he was really young when he went. But he didn't. And he didn't even want to be in World War II. And he also uh, later, uh, Skinner refers to Burns as being the uh, city's most prominent 100-year-old man. Uh, 100-year-old man? 101-year-old man? Something like that? So maybe Burns is lying to him for this speech. That could be. Who knows? Uh, Maybe Burns ages unlike all the other characters of The Simpsons. That could be, too. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, But uh, it cuts to Homer back at home in bed with Marge. And he's upset. He, he feels like he's not being able to provide as well for his family. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's Marge tells him, like, listen, you always put food on the table. Uh, the kids will get over the fact that they're not being spoiled. And Homer's like, yeah, but what about you finding me sexually attractive? Marge holds him in her arms and sings, you are so beautiful to me.
1: So I got a question for you about this episode. Yeah. Burns is rich. Filthy, stinking rich. He buys ivory back scratchers for $1,000. For just the fun of it. Yet his baldness bothers
0: him. Also, he didn't buy demoxinil.
1: Yeah, why didn't he buy demoxinil?
0: Especially after knowing it works. He doesn't watch a lot of TV. I would imagine it's just he didn't see the commercials about the miracle breakthrough.
1: Oh no, Professor Science. He knows what demoxinil is.
0: (laughs) You're right. He does say that. So why doesn't Burns use Tamoxonell? Maybe because he just figures it's too late for him. He's in his 80s. Yeah, Yeah, interesting. I thought about that. Hmm. So, Sean, what do you think the lasting impact
1: for this episode is? It gave us the greatest character ever. You know what? I I, I love Carl too much. He inspired almost every single character I've role-played for the past 15
0: years. So... It had a huge impact on me personally. I Yeah, I really like Carl. And in all honesty, I, I when I used to work at a grocery store, uh, before I was the dairy frozen guy, I worked in a deli. And I was the assistant to my uh, manager then, who I'm still friends with to this day. And Carl's, like, just spot on... Uh, insistence to always do everything for the benefit of his employer is definitely a style that I used when I worked there uh, when I was in that position because of the fact that I had so much respect for my boss.
1: Funny that I roleplay the character who's more caring and open like that. But when I worked at the same grocery store, I tried to undermine and backstab my boss like the star screen <laughs> to the Megatron. <laughs> so...
0: Yeah. I uh, I honestly have something uh, a little different for uh, uh, my uh, uh, lasting impact. What's that? It is the scene in the boardroom when Homer talks about the fish sticks. The scene is great, and it shows off what the Simpsons would eventually become pros at, which hadn't happened in season one, but happened here right near the start of season two in the second episode. It's a layered joke. You have Burns demanding ideas. He uh, criticizes the people. He asks Homer for input. Homer's input is that uh, he—it's an outlandish idea. Fish sticks. Burns demands answers, and Homer then goes on to explain what fish sticks are. Burns yells at him, and then he explains that fish stick, like you know, the the tartar sauce issue. And Burns ends it by saying, "Let the fools have their tartar sauce." The gag in in its entirety is. Incredibly well done, and it's very dependent upon all of the moments in the joke, and we'll see this occur throughout The Simpsons more and more and more as we're going on, where jokes aren't necessarily just one-liners like sitcoms at the time. There's a lot of work that went into this gag of Homer at this boardroom.
1: That happens more than once because that also happens with the ivory back scratcher. Uh
0: huh. It's they reference it at the beginning and then in the middle to end of the episode, Burns is mad that he didn't get the ivory back scratcher. This the episode we get is also the newsletter as well. Yeah, they see the newsletter. So there's a lot of layered jokes and a lot of setup for jokes that we're getting in this episode, which didn't really happen much until then. That I think is the real lasting impact of this episode. I love Carl to death. I'll never pick anything other than Carl He's so good
1: I'll leave my girlfriend for Carl
0: in a heartbeat who wouldn't <laughs> Carl is amazing He has Harvey Firestein's voice he jumps on a grenade for Homer figuratively and financially he takes a thousand dollars and pays out for this thing just to prove that it was him Oh he's the best Carl is dreamy ah oh, man.
1: Season two is great, but oh, I love this episode so much! It may be my favorite episode of season two. Man, there's a lot of good there's season two episodes. So many episodes, good episodes too, this... that are coming up, but I love this episode. <sighs> this might be one of the best. In fact, the next episode may rival this
0: for how good it is, Ooh. which people will have to see. Yeah, we're getting we're getting some really solid uh, solid stuff here. So, uh, Sean, we I feel like we could spend hours and hours talking about Carl and how he is our favorite one-time uh, character on The Simpsons, perhaps even favorite character in general. Uh, but I do think that it's about time that we start wrapping this up. Uh, you know, we, uh, we talked about... Uh, uh, our, like one of our favorite characters of all time, uh, talked about how we impacted Dungeons & Dragons for you. Uh, also, remember to check out Noobs & Dragons, of course. But uh, make sure also to uh, uh, check out our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash Media, you're going to be able to get bonus content from us. And inevitably, we're probably going to do a Carl episode on how much we love him. It's just it, it's we love we, him we too much. We probably will. Or we'll do best guest stars, and Carl will be number A one very important part of that my only issue with carl is that they named him carl when there's another employee at the plant named carl but they're spelled differently that's true and all right i'll buy that i'll buy that well sean any any parting thoughts for our friends
1: I miss carl already <laughs>
0: Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, A part of me almost uh, uh, tried to get you to uh, be convinced that uh, we should end the episode with me kissing you on the lips, saying that uh, uh, my mother told me (laughs) never to kiss a fool, and I wanted to see if if, how long it would take for you to realize we're only recording audio. (laughs) But uh, uh, we'll uh, catch everybody next time. Thanks for watching, and thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Sean and I kiss. That was hot. (laughs) It was hot. And it's going to get even hotter after the recording ends.